Welcome back to Exegesis. Today we're going to be speaking with Michael Takip on his show, Jews, God, and History, not necessarily in that order, specifically the art of writing plays and performing them solo. If you enjoy what we're doing at the JLJ, please feel free to like, share, and subscribe this podcast. You can also support us through PayPal or Patreon. Thanks again for joining us, and now on to the conversation with Michael Takif. What was the inspiration for the show? Um, after my father died, and this is, it's in the show, it's, it's Christmas Day, 1992, I started to writing to process his death. I was writing a lot about him and our family and about his life and death. Um, but I also started writing about Jewish subjects, um, the Jewish growing up Jewish and being Jewish in the United States of America here and, and thinking about that. And, um, you know, I had the show uh, worked, worked on the show uh, for a while and I got sidetracked doing other things and uh, was writing books for one thing. And, but then I started working with a director in about 2014 on the script and it turned out we had not one show but two. And there was this show, the first show we did was called Black Tie's Son's Journey Through the Death and Life of His Father. And that's really more a family memoir. Uh, this one is about my family, but it's really, it's really about being Jewish in, in America today and, and during my upbringing. And, uh, and uh, not only about being Jewish, but about how, I like to say it's about how modern humans live with ancient traditions. And you know, I think there's so much to think about and talk about uh, on that subject, uh, it lends itself to a drama and lends itself to comedy. So, um, yeah, I guess that's that's where it, it came from. I'm not sure exactly how I wound up with this Jewish Jewish show, this Jewy Jewish show. Um, I'm not a particularly observant Jew. Uh, I don't attend the synagogue very often. I mean, I go on high holidays, but um, I guess there's something inside that's important to me, and that's where it came from. So you would you would sort of classify this as, as a Jewish work, meaning you could. Um, I guess it, it is. I mean, I, I like to think it has appeal beyond uh, our tribe, but um, the subject is mostly Jews, so um, really can't get around that. Um, yeah, I was going to ask like about the intended audience, but I, is there such a thing here? Well, I, I hope it's for people who are, you know, for Jews, but for people who are open-minded, uh, Jews and other faiths. I mean, people who are, frankly, who are rigid in their beliefs, one way or the other, probably might, you know, might not appreciate the show because it does, uh, I don't know, cross some lines. Uh, it, it's it, um, it, both for for Christians and for Jews. There are things that, that some people might find objectionable, but I hope that they'll approach it with an open mind and look at it as say, well, this is one person's worldview and let's listen to what this guy has to say. And I hope they find it interesting. Yeah, I mean, one would think that if you're going to a play that you would be open, meaning it's art, it's not a theology, you know, it's not a it's not an argument necessarily on theology theology and, and sort of facts, right? It's, it's art in a way that art should right. be questioning and passing line seems pretty natural yeah i i hope so um you know there are there are things here and it's it's uh from the heart and hopefully people will be able to see that and take it that way and and understand that way whether or not you know each point in the play is something that they can agree with or cheer on yeah. sure this this would not be the first time then that you're performing this or or is it the first time that you're performing this no no i've been performing it for a while um the last couple of years i've done it mostly by zoom 
of course. Um, I really thought we were just going to have to shut it down when the pandemic started, but I was offered a chance to do a performance on Zoom. It worked pretty well, so I did a whole you know, bunch of them. Um, but I just decided it was time to get it into a theater and get it you know, mounted on a stage and see what we had with it. So that's, that's why we're, you know, we're producing it in a, in a really nice space in a theater for an extended run. Right. I guess for people who might be interested, this is a more technical question, like what is the process of getting something put back into a theater? Well, you have to find a theater, you have to rent a theater. You, you, there's all sorts of, you know, unfortunately I have a, a producer named Sam, Sam Hoda-Drain, who's a great uh, young fellow. And he's, uh, he's um, I'm showing my age by calling him a young fellow, I guess. Young guy. And anyway, he's, he's, um, he's taking care of all the details. And there are the details, you know, you need, you need a, a lighting designer, you need a stage manager, you need rehearsal space, you need um insurance this kind of insurance you need that kind of insurance you need all sorts of little things you need duck, uh, uh, gaffers tape and and um gels for the lighting you know you have to make sure the lighting is right all this stuff that you need so that it's it's complicated there are a lot of uh steps that go into uh putting something into a theater in new york city so it, it, it's complicated and couldn't have done it myself certainly and, and why the format of theater? Meaning, you said you mentioned you're you writing books. So what, what about this yeah. topic sort of lent itself to a uh, stage play? Well, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't, uh, I, I've always been, I mean, I originally came to New York to be a performer and I did stand up comedy for 10 years. I toured the country, it was all over the place. Um, so I guess I always thought of this as a performance piece more than a written work. Um, it's a chance to. Uh, you know, I think it, it, it's interesting. It, it, it can be a written work and we've talked about, I've talked about it with my director publishing it, but um, it's really more the performance is a big part of, I think, getting the message across. And why, and why one man versus maybe more of a story where somebody's playing your father, somebody's playing yeah, more yeah, parts. Interesting. Well, I, I've just, I, I, you know, I did stand up comedy and this is kind of, I guess it grew out of that. It just grew out of, uh, being a stand-up, being, you know, the man just, you know, the guy standing in front of the microphone and talking. So this is just, it's sort of, you know, an evening uh, with me talking to people, telling them my worldview, I guess. And then um, what's like that process like of writing such a show? Is it, uh, you put it all down on paper, you sort of have people watch you while you're performing or how, how does that yeah. go? Um, well, I wrote a lot of it. I mean, I wrote, as I said, I wrote a lot of it some years ago. I've written parts of it more recently. Uh, we have, I've done, you know, my, I have a great, great, you're a terrific director, by the way, Brian Lane Green, a Tony nominee. Um, and he's just marvelous. And he, um, he and I worked on this over a number of years and we would work on the work on it and try to you know, take the writing and then shape it and mold it. And he said his job was to theatricalize it, to make it into a show. And uh, it involved a lot of um, cutting. We had to, you know, uh, I think it's famous, Michelangelo saw the block of marble and he said, there's the David in there. He just had to cut out the excess. So we had a lot, a lot, you know, of, of cutting to do and a lot of shaping um, and a lot of molding. Um, so it you know, wasn't it, most. Most of it is. There are a few parts of this show that are one part in particular that's pretty much almost word for word what came out of my fingers on the on the keyboard originally. But most of it has been massaged and worked on and edited and shaped 
over the time we've been, you know, preparing the show. Sure. My, my wife and I came and we, we enjoyed ourselves thoroughly. Um, one thing we were just so impressed by was you memorized like a two hour show and it's just you. So how, how do you memorize um, so much? It seems just a lot. When were you there? I, uh, Thursday night. Oh, you were there Thursday. Thursday was a good, yeah, it was a good show. We had a good, good crowd on Thursday. Um, comedy, you know, is so dependent on the audience. So it helps to have a good, big audience and an audience of laughers. It's a lot to memorize. It's, it's sort of like a 50 or 60 page book. Um, if you, if you're going to write books, a page is around 300, 330 words. This is like 15, 16,000 words. So it's, it's, it took a long time to memorize it. And I still, I still try to, um, run the show in my head uh, just quickly every day before even though i've done it the night before i still try to do it again just because there's so many words i want to just make sure it comes out um, automatically and and properly you know because the my writing i'm sort of a, I have this um, i'm looking at it right now sign above my desk and i've had it up there for years since a quote from mark twain the difference between the almost right word and the right word is really a huge matter it's the difference between the lightning bug and the lightning so every word sort of counts. And so I try to be careful with every word. So it is, uh, it is a, a chore to make sure I get it as close to word perfect every night. That's interesting. Because you're talking about comedy. I feel like in some ways comedy is sort of an ad lib. Uh, you know, you're, out, you're up on stage and something's working, you sort of go more into it or you sort of take away from things that perhaps are not working so much with the crowd. But this with this play, I guess, maybe less freedom in terms of being yeah. able to manipulate yeah. Well, different comics work differently. You know, some comics it's all very scripted, and others it's more free flowing. But um, uh, this play, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, there's some, uh, if you recall, toward you know early on, there's some leeway for um, improvising, but not much. It's mostly just pretty much a set script, and and especially now, what with uh, you know there's there are lighting cues and there's sound and video cues, so I kind of have to adhere to the script to. Uh, make sure all of that is on track, not to confuse the person running the lighting, the you know, the, running the board, running the, the, sure. stage, the stage manager, running the show. Yeah, I mean, part of, uh, you can tell me, obviously, I don't want to get into too much of the details. I want people to go see the show. So you'll, you'll have to maybe guide us through. Um, but do you have sort of a, a purpose for the show? Like, do you want it to make an argument to change sort of things? Or is it more of just an expression? Or how do you, how do you sort of see Well, that's a this? good question. Um, I hope it will, I hope people will leave thinking about some of the big questions in new ways, thinking about God, about the nature of good and evil, uh, how we live with our traditions in this modern age, um, how, how we are, you know, we process our traditions, whether they're Jewish or not in the modern age, how we, how we live with, um, especially Jews, but not only Jews, how we live with the, the big reality of the, the Shoah, the Holocaust in our lives, how this thing happened to us, how do we go on being Jews? I think that's an important question. It's, there's no good answer to that question, but, but I try to present a couple of answers in the show, just possible answers that could be, could be, um, you know, that you could point toward or draw from, not necessarily embrace any one answer. Uh, but I hope people will go away thinking about these things in, in new ways. And um, 
I also hope some people will think about, you know, what, what does it mean to be Jewish here in the 21st century in the United States of America? What, what is that all about? How do we do that? What, why, why do we continue being Jews? I mean, what, what's the point of it? We're such, we're such a tiny people. We're two-tenths of one percent of the world's population, yet we've had this outsized influence on the world's culture and history. Um, not the influence that <laughs> a lot of people think we have, of course, but still, you know, some things are undeniable. We've had a large um, influence way beyond our numbers. What, you know, what's the point of it? Why do we keep on being Jews? That's something that I hope people will think about, too. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a very, I think perhaps with uh, like our work also, it's, it, a lot of it has to do with the idea of defining what a Jew is. I think that's maybe one of your opening questions is the idea of, of what is a Jew? How do we define that? And, right. um, and what's the purpose in the sense of like, is it to uphold tradition, to pass down tradition? Is it to create new tradition? Like how does, how does that all balance itself? And I think oftentimes we look for that in the artwork rather than perhaps in like a halachic context or, you know, trying to understand Jewish law is interesting, but there's not really that, that space necessarily to explore those, those questions and, and push those boundaries. One thing I talk about in the show, um, you may recall, is that, you know, every year at Passover, we say, not only, we, we say, let me say literally, we say not only were ancestors slaves in Egypt, we say we ourselves were slaves in Egypt too. We say, the Almighty did this not just for them, they did this for me, they did this for us, they did this for th those of us here in the present day. And I think there's just such an important lesson to take from that, from that teaching, um, that we were all slaves in Egypt. We were, we were in, and Jews, we're, 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 Jews have done phenomenally well in this country. We're prosperous, we're successful, we're, we're represented well beyond our numbers in, in academia and the professions. As I say in the show, there are nine Jews in the United States Senate. We're 2% of the US population with nine Jews in the United States Senate. Until recently, we had a third of the Supreme Court. Um, but it's important to remember where we came from, how we got here. Um, how our lives, how our presence in this country developed, where it started, you know, where we came from. And to apply that lesson to other people, people who do not share our religion, who pray to a different God, who look different from us, who have different color skin, speak different languages. It's important to apply those lessons to remember that it, it, we were we were we were slaves in Egypt, and we were all not just Jews. We were all slaves in Egypt. We all have been been um, oppressed and exploited, and we've all been poor and and uh, needy and neglected, and we've all needed a helping hand. So I guess I I hope that that Jews in America keep that in mind. And and the truth is that Jews in America do. They are they 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 you know politically they believe in a certain way and it's it's contrary to sort of the economic self interest argument. Um, you know Jews vote Democratic even though we're a prosperous group and that's that's contrary to the larger demographic trends. So I hope that you know so there's there's a lesson there and. Um, the lesson is that we all have to remember where we came from and. And not forget, as I say in this show, we Jews know what a majority can do to a minority. And I think that influences our behavior and our way of thinking. And I just, that's, that's an, another thing in the show I hope people will come away with, you know, remembering that. Yeah, it is a very interesting lesson about, and sort of putting a modern 
to, you know, the idea of epigenetics and how trauma is sort of relived and passed on. It yeah. comes into play. I think, you know, you do tackle also the idea of the Shoah and, and how that sort of affects us still today and, and this idea of slavery or suffering and how that's still present. Um, it's always interesting to me how, how we do sort of focus on that as a people. Um, I always, you know, think about how do we take that and sort of, I don't know how to maneuver it in a po- positive way or is it positive in and of itself? Like, how do we sort of think of, of, of that experience? Yeah, the, the Shoah. Um, well, we could look at it. We could just say, take the lesson that um, no one in the world is going to defend the Jews. No one's going to save us. And I think that's true. Ultimately, we have to we can't really trust other people. You know, this country, it's interesting. In this country, we've looked at it as really a second land of milk and honey. And it has been. We've prospered and flourished here unlike anywhere else really in world history, I guess, until the state of Israel, but until, but but here, you know, my grandparents came here during the great wave during the first decade of the 20th century. We're fortunate that that they were here during the 1930s and 40s uh, and not there. Um, It was so important for them to come to a place where they could flourish and be free to be Jews and not have to worry about that pounding on the door in the middle of the night from the czarist hordes or from the SS. Um, and, you know, we've been able to build up institutions and, and live freely and be integrated into society and do all these other things, be, ex- be mostly accepted, even though I think the larger society still doesn't quite know what to make of us. I don't know if that's going to last. Um, but I do think that we can't just look inward. We can't just say our lesson from history is to defend ourselves and to build walls and to keep others out and, and, and to not care about other people. I hope our lesson is to take what we have learned and apply it to the rest of the world to say, this, this is what majorities do to minorities. We know about that. We're sensitive to that. We have empathy for you. We feel for you. Um, don't forget that the, the history of the Jews, the remarkable thing about the Jews is that this tiny people had this outsized effect, this you know, little tribe from the Middle East, this sort of obscure corner of the Middle East. It was a little part of the Roman Empire at one point, and it's been part of other empires. Look at the influence that we've had. I mean, look at, at you know, this, these, these stories were so powerful, this, this collection of stories, this Hebrew Bible, has so much so so influenced larger the larger civilization. Um, you know, really, I guess it's said that the two cornerstones of Western civilization are the Hebrew Bible and the Greco-Roman tradition. So I hope that we can continue to take the larger view of our place in the world and our influence in the world and our attitude toward other people and not just turn inward and say, well, never again, and, and no one's going to push us around anymore. Okay, that's fine. That's important. But it's limiting. There has to be more. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's reflected in your title. Your title is an interesting one. The, obviously, you it took you, you know, you came up with a list, but then you sort of negate it with your not necessarily that order. So right. is that is the title meant to sort of encapsulate the idea of larger thoughts? Or how'd you come up with it? Well, there, there is a, a book, um, A History of the Jews, called Jews, God, and History, written in, I, I want to say, 1962, I think, by a guy named Max DeMont. And it was on every, it was a big bestseller. It's still in print, as a matter of fact. And I've read some of it. Um, 
it was called Jews God in History, and it, and it was on every, I think it was on every middle-class Jewish bookshelf uh, back during that time. I know we had a copy. I didn't need it then, but I imagine my father did. Um, so I guess I guess kind of took that that word and that title and then wanted to mix it up uh, and just say, well, this is a title. It's Jews God. It's this big title, but oh, maybe it's a little, a little bit of a zing and a zets and it's just a little different. It's not exactly what you're expecting. So uh, I wanted to get, make it a, a little more fun, uh, but it really is that those are really the, what it's about. It is about Jews, God, and history. But it, yeah. at various times, you know, the various uh, each each one of those three takes a uh, you know, takes the spotlight. Yeah, I mean, there's also like these these recurring. I don't know recurring is the right word, but there's these larger than life characters you sort of inhabit. Um, within the play and that that does seem to sort of like also have that sort of they're larger than life but they're still human in some way um so you do do that you make that balance between yeah um in that way as well yeah god god appears in a couple of different two and two may two main well actually two or three uh, guises god and very different uh persona uh, god himself and then there are other there's a there's a, a, a as you uh, recall there's a um the longest scene in the show is a recreation of Yom Kippur at this Orthodox synagogue I went to where there was this incredible charismatic rabbi, this remarkable guy. And uh, I try to, um, I hope do justice to his memory and to recreate what it was like to be in that room on Yom Kippur um, every year to hear this man, uh, he, he always, he always davened. He, he was, you know, he was the rabbi. He, he this is a big Orthodox shul, so they had other people to do the davening at various times. But he always davened Nila, the concluding service of Yom Kippur, and it was just an electric, remarkable experience to be in that room to see this man lead this congregation. And you know, Nila, it's what? It's a 20-30 minute service at the end of this long day of fasting, prayer, and repentance. This long, exhausting day in the synagogue, but to see to be there for him, it was such an electrifying um, experience. And um, so when you say larger than life, I mean, you know, it's God, but there's also this rabbi who was definitely larger than life. And uh, certainly in my memory, you know, it gets even larger, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think of sort of, you know, we're talking about theater or music or anything of that nature, the idea of the setup and then the payoff, right? Oftentimes the payoff is very short in time, but it's obviously the most heavy, um, and sort of poignant uh, parts. So I do. I I think that like Neva is sort of you've set yourself up for twenty four hours, and now you got one more, and then all of a sudden you hit you hit that 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 sort of sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know it's it's a very short thing. Like the clock's ticking down. You're hungry. You're starving, and then you look at the clock and you think, well, we have all these all these pages. Are we going to get them in in twenty you know twenty minutes? Twenty. Of course, it's it's um you know first the, the congregation reads the the Shimon Ezra the Amida themselves, and then it's time for the reader's repetition and. You keep getting closer. We're we going to make it, or we're we going to make it. And but this guy, I guess most synagogues, they always find a way to time it out. This guy always did. He always, it always ended after this incredible experience. But he always had it exactly at the right minute when it was time to blow the shofar and you know end the end the service. Um, but yeah, it's always and it's and it's interesting. The, the service at the synagogue where we go, we go to a conservative synagogue here on the Upper West Side which is also is a very moving Neela service, but it's different. It's like the whole community is, is gathering in and, and is, is all making this grand expression together. In this case, it was 
here's God on top, here's the rabbi, and then here's the congregation. And God was being channeled through the rabbi. Like God was in that room, but it was through this presence of this remarkable charismatic man. You know, where we have where we go now, it's more a communal effort. But here it was the community being led and being inspired by this this man. That's an interesting distinction. I never really I remember growing up also we had a cantor wasn't the rabbi, but uh, he also had his watch, you know, next to him the entire time. Yeah. And he knew down to the second, you know, do I have to go faster here? Do I have to go slower? How does it work? Um, but also the idea of like, yeah, he's sort of the conduit. It's an interesting idea of conduit versus sort of disparate throughout the community. Yeah. Um, and, and how different uh, Jewish traditions might view that within yeah. their service. Well, that's actually, I think that's one of the great things about our tradition is that there are so many different ways of approaching you know, there's one thing I say in the show, there's 16, every Jew has his, his or her own way of being Jewish, 16 million Jews in the world, 16 million different religions. And it's not literally exactly true because there are common elements, but, but um, there are so many different ways of interpreting Judaism and living with it and being part of the tradition. Um, another line, which, you know, there are all the different roles, there's 613 roles in the Torah. And when you break it down, there's a lot more than that, because, you know, well, we don't eat milk and meat. Well, okay, but then what? You know, there's yeah. how long do you wait? There's how many sets of dishes? There has, you know, had all these different things. And what constitutes milk? <laughs> what constitutes meat? And all these different ways. So there's a lot more than 613 rules, but people choose, you know, can you follow all the rules? Well, you'll drive yourself nuts, but you have to follow some of the rules. Otherwise, what makes you a Jew? So maybe you pick and choose the rules, but you've got to find something there that you can follow to make you to say, okay, this applies to me. This is why, this is why and how I'm a Jew. Yeah, I agree. There, there is, it's almost impossible to even know all the rules that alone and right. Some of the rules apply to genders and how do we deal with, you know, obviously in a more modern setting, what does that mean? Oh, um, and, and different things going on. It's, 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 it would be. Yeah, it's wild. It's amazing. And everyone's got their own and you know, the old, the old dudes, they don't do it right. You know, that's it. That's that all that I don't go there. They don't do it right. So, so, everyone's got their own ideas of what constitutes doing it right. And yet we do, we do have, I think even regardless of the strain of Judaism, I think everyone would agree that there is this idea of, te you know, shul temple, whatever you want to call it. And there is this idea of prayer and we all have to get together and do it together. Um, so there are these commonalities that do seem to, to, yeah. to come across. And even, and even people who don't go to the synagogue, they have other ways of being Jewish, whether it's their ethical outlook or, or you know, just some sort of sensibility. It, it, um, so there are all sorts of elements of the tradition that I think can apply to people. And I hope people, you know, people do take, I think it's important to take something from the tradition because you don't want to, you know, it's important to know who you are and to grow up grounded with some sense of, of, of who you are, where you come from. And I feel that strongly, even though I'm not particularly observant with with regard to following all the rules but i still feel that i'm i still feel very much even though i'm not a, a, a believing person i'm not particularly observant i feel that i'm still a member of the covenant and it's still an inheritor of this tradition that dates back to dates back what four thousand years when this wandering man on the plains of mesopotamia heard a voice speaking to him, this man named Abraham heard this voice and that's how it all began. And I feel like I'm, you know, an, one inheritor of that tradition. And I'm, I'm, 
very much take that from my father and uh, I didn't really know my grandfather's, but uh, my father in particular, who was a um, who was very much from Judaism was a very important subject. And also my mother thought it was very different for her. For her, it was more cultural and uh, less religious. But still, again, Judaism was so much a part of her character too, but it was a different interpretation. It was more Yiddish, less Hebrew, uh, a less belief in, in God than belief in just the general culture and sensibility and the Yiddish culture from Eastern Europe. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting thing, the idea of Yiddish culture, and nowadays perhaps Israeli culture versus Judaism, and you know how do you define those things? Are they yeah. synonymous? Are they different? How, how do they differ? Yeah. Um, it's just a, it's a very interesting idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and uh, I don't want to take up more of your time. I know you're, you're busy and it's your day off. Um, you're, still on the, you're still at the Flea Theater, right, for uh, a little bit more? Flea Theater for another two weeks, and people can go to JewsGodAndHistory.com, and JewsGodAndHistory.com, and there'll be a link to buy tickets and learn more about the show and about me, about the other people involved, about dire our director, Brian Lane Green. And um, I should just say something about Brian Lane Green, interesting guy. He comes from a line of, uh, of Christian evangelical preachers. He's from, from Tennessee. Uh, he's very successful actor as a young man and now he's taking more to directing um but it, you know the show really spoke to him from the beginning and he wanted to work on it uh even though he's not of our of our tribe but it's he's really he you know i can't thank him enough for how much and can't give him enough credit for how much he's done um but uh, you know and i i hope that so i hope it's not just the uh, jews who will come see it um, but anyway i did want to mention mentioned Brian and, and uh, note his background. 